uh, communion, we call it, because um, I don't know what's going on either, Jim, but I'm grateful for your help. I'll put it in the front. Challenged. How many people sort a preacher out? More than I've got is the answer. <laughs> yeah. We might have to. He means me or the microphone. There we go. Oh, that's better, isn't it? Good. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jim. Didn't work, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, love the, I love the bread and the wine because it takes us right back to um, the heart of what the Christian faith is about, that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus his son. And uh, it's pretty amazing, isn't it, that anybody would love you enough to give themselves up. I don't know how many people you know who you would do that for who, or who would, who would do it for you. I guess my mum and dad would have been in that that category but uh, what, what the Bible says is when you trust in Jesus it's it's um, something happens something amazing happens there's, there's a swap that happens when, when I stood at the front of a church and um, Debbie and I got married my wife and I um, we said something like all I am I, I give to you something like that you know the vows we did the vow thing and um, and, and it's a bit like that when you become a Christian you know, you, you, I, I didn't give Deb much money. She had more than I did, actually, at the time, so it was a bargain. But uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was all I am I give to you. And something like that happens when you join yourself to Jesus, when you pray a prayer, give your heart. People use different expressions. When you come to trust in him, and, uh, but you get, the, you get the better of the bargain. Uh, I got the better of the bargain. My, my best mate, said when he met Debbie, marry her quick, she's far too good for you. And uh, it's a bit like that with us and Jesus, but more so. He's far too good for us. And uh, we get the best of the bargain when we join our lives to his. Because we give him all our muck and bullets. That's not a, that's not a Bible phrase. We give him all the grot of our lives. The bad stuff we've said and done and thought, or all the good stuff we didn't do that we wish we had. We give him all of that, and he gives us all his goodness, all his rightness. And so this bread and wine, it's, you know, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? It's only bread. It's, it's, only, it's only wine or juice in our case. Uh, that's all it is. It's just a picture of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross when he gave himself fully and took all our grot and offers to anyone this morning who says... I would like to get rid of my grot, my muck, my bullets. Will you forgive me? And he does. And he jo we join ourselves to him. And he gives us all his goodness and his righteousness. So it's great. So if you didn't take part, that's absolutely fine. Some of us take part and love it. Some of us aren't sure. We, we just watch. That's absolutely fine. Just wanted to explain what it was about. And my hope is if, if you're just an observer or visitor today, that one day you'll be rushing to the front saying, yeah, he did that for me. And that will be a great day, won't it? A very happy one. Anyway, I was supposed to be doing something else. So Matthew 9, verse 35. Let me just read a, a few uh, verses out, 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns 
and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. Little summary of what he was about. Then he, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So I, I just want us for a few minutes just to learn a, a few things from the Lord of the harvest. And uh, in verse 35, that first verse, he just describes what he did while, while he was on earth, what his, his ministry, his activity on earth. And it, it comes in three categories, really. First of all, he's, he's proclaiming, which is a bit like those, uh, you know, those old guys that, oh, yay, oh, yay. It's that kind of, oh, yay, oh, yay, hey, yay. They got a proclamation to make. Those old town criers, you know, it's a bit quaint now. But he, he had a proclamation, something he declared, and it was what he calls the good news of the kingdom. And what he went around saying curious things, he'd just say things like, the kingdom's beside you. Is it? It's sort of a bit freaky. Or sometimes he would say, the kingdom of God's right within you. Or sometimes he would, he, would, he would say, hey, if I did this by the Spirit of God, if this person has been healed in this way, then you've got to know God's rule is on earth. Uh, so the kingdom, it wasn't a political thing, still isn't a political kingdom. Christianity goes all through different politics in different nations. It's not a political kingdom. It's, it's the kingdom or the rule of God. What he was saying was, I've come to begin a kingdom. I've come to start something. I, the king, am among you, and that kingdom is, is here. You can know God, and you can know his rule in your life. So he just went around declaring, the kingdom of God started. I've started a kingdom. The kingdom of God's among you. It's right here. And then he didn't only proclaim that kingdom, he, he taught them. In other words, he, he just explained them. See, what, what's all this kingdom business? It's a bit airy-fairy. And he would say, he would say no, no, it's not airy-fairy. It's a bit like this. There's a father who looks after you. So that affects your attitude to worry. Oh, there's a father who cares for you. So that affects your attitude to poor people. You can give them stuff freely because your father will still look after you. It affects your attitude to marriage. He would, he would do loads of practical teaching about giving, about caring, about not getting so angry anymore, about forgiving each other, about how your relationships are affected. So he, he proclaimed that God's rule, you can actually know God among you. And, and thousands were thrilled. Thousands and thousands came to, to hear him. And then he would take smaller groups or people that were a bit more interested and he would explain the implications of that to their marriages, to their families, to their work life, and so on and so forth. And then the third thing he did is he, he demonstrated it. They would say, well, okay, that's all right in theory, but then he would heal people. He would pray for the sick. He would lay hands on people, and they would, they would recover. If you want, want to know more about that, my, my sort of one of my challenges this term is, why don't you read one of the Gospels again? There's four to choose from. My, I don't know if you're allowed a favorite, but my favorites are Mark and Luke. But, you know, pick your own. There's four there to choose from. So you say, oh, I don't read the Bible. Well, dig one out get an, get, or, or buy one. If it's all these and nows, get, get a newer one than that because it's a bit tricky, all that stuff. 
from the 1600s, but whatever, whatever suits you. Just get one and look about this Jesus. I, I had a friend who was, um, he was actually a punk rocker, as he's going back a while. And uh, some, so he, he used to go to a youth group because he fancied the girls there, which is reasonable. And uh, he, he, uh, some little old lady in the church, because it was a church youth group, said to him, he was taking the mickey out of Christians and Christianity. Um, uh, uh, this little old lady, is he, huge, said, said, you, poking his chest, you, you've never even read a gospel, have you? And he was full of, yeah, of course I have. But he hadn't. So uh, anyway, he went home, read the pages of, uh, of, of his New Testament. And he, he said this, I just fell in love with this Jesus. I thought, try it. Try it again, this term. Have a read of a gospel and see if it works for you. Anyway, that's the ministry of Jesus, just describing it. But what kept him going? What was his motivation? We all need a bit of motivation. John said this morning, it's, it's a bit, weather's a bit miserable. It doesn't really make you feel like getting up does it? When your alarm clock goes off and it's dark, and before you finish work, it's dark again. I mean, I'm bizarrely encouraged this week because I found three crocuses blooming in my front garden, which does, does a lot for me. But what, what motivates us? What, keep, what kept Jesus going? And there's, there's, uh, I've got three things here. The first thing is, he was motivated because he saw the need. It, there in verse 36, he says, he, he saw the crowd, and they were like, they, they were like harassed sheep like sheep without a shepherd. In fact, the, the, the word he uses is, is more like they were like a sheep that's been worried. We call it worried. But, but when, a sh- when a dog worries sheep, it, I mean, he just rips at them. They, they, were, like, they were like ravaged sheep. They, they, they were being damaged. They were defenseless, like, a, like a, a flock of sheep with a wolf or a dog gone, gone mad amongst them. That's how he, he looked out. And so he saw this this need. And I just find it interesting. That's what motivated him. You see, without Jesus Christ, what the Bible says is people are like sheep with no shepherd. They're still wonderful. People, people are great. People are wonderful. The Bible says they're made in the image of God. But they're, they're wonderful, but they've lost their purpose. They've lost their protector. They've lost their provider. They're not, they're not in touch with the one who loves them anymore. See, see, what Jesus called himself at one point, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. So without, without Jesus in our lives, we've got no guaranteed provision. We're self-reliant. We're on the balls of our feet fighting for ourselves. But we've got no guaranteed provision. We've got no guaranteed protection. No guaranteed guidance. Because that, that's what a shepherd does for sheep. He protects them. He guides them. He provides for them. So he looked at the world and said, hey, man, I'm motivated by this because these people need protection. They need provision. They need guidance and help. So I don't know where we're all at this morning, but sort of two ways of looking at it. The first is, if you haven't got Jesus, wouldn't you like those things? Wouldn't you like to know that there's, there's a God who cares for you? Wouldn't you like to know there's a God who provides for you? Wouldn't you like to know there's a God who will guide you through this tricky old world? Because that's what he offers. I, I'm a good shepherd. I laid down my life for you. And he, that, so that's that side of it. So you, you could say to God this morning, just pray a simple prayer. Jesus, will you be my shepherd? 
I, I need something supernatural help. I need your guidance. I need your provision. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. So the other thing is, for those who have sort of already done that, is as we look at the world out there, as we go to work, go to school, go to college, do whatever we do, we've got to see through the shell of sort of self-assurance. There's quite a lot of S's to say that. I did okay. Seeing through the shell of self-assurance. See, because people basically look all right. Sometimes I look at the people, they look as if they're doing more all right than I do. Do you know what I mean? People look at, particularly in the affluent West, we've, we've got enough money, we can clothe ourselves. We've, not everybody, some people are struggling, but do you know what I mean? More or less, we, we sort of, we're not like some parts of the world where there's obvious need. We have to see through that. Jesus saw th- right through. Because we can all put up a sort of exterior, can't we, where uh, I'm okay. We're, we're, we're quite good at that. I'm, I, I'm okay. The people we live and move amongst are just like us. They're quite good at that as well. But underneath that, Jesus saw. Jesus does see us beneath the surface. He sees down into the depths of our being. And my prayer is that we would be motivated by seeing the real need in people. Sometimes it's obvious. We can look at some situations and the need is obvious. Sometimes it's much less obvious. But Jesus was motivated. If Jesus walked down Worcester High Street on a Saturday, he would see the crowds and say, well, these, these people are being ravaged. They're being, they're being led in a wrong direction because they don't have me. Some of them think that if they have enough fun, they'll fill the hole in their life. But they won't because they, what they need is me. Some of them think that if they get enough sex, they'll be happy. But they won't. They won't be happy because actually they need me. Some of them think if they just got enough money together, that would be all right. Because they're looking for money for security and protection. But actually they need the good shepherd for that really to work. So we need to be motivated as, as a church, those of us that are Christians, by really seeing the real need in people's lives. They may not, it may be unacknowledged, it may be deep down buried, but it's there. The second thing in, in terms of Jesus' motivation is this, is compassion. Compassion. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. It wasn't just an intellectual thing. The philosophy of Jesus. Oh yes, well people are like this and they need to be like that and they lack the other. It wasn't a spreadsheet sort of thing. It was, it was in his guts. Can I say that? Compassion is actually a word to do with, with your bowels. Don't, don't get offended. It was something felt. When he saw them, there was something that made it unsettled his insides. Do you ever feel that? There's something that, oh. I don't, I don't know if you feel that when you, when you look at crowds of people. But that was what he felt. He felt, oh, if only. If only they knew me. If only they knew they had a father who loved them in heaven. If, if only they could be provided by me. If only they could be guided and protected by me. There was something in his guts. It was a real motivation. As he looked beneath the service, it, it hit him right there. Because he loves us. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said something else. He said, the love of God squeezes me. That's the word he is. Don't you ever, ever feel like that? Something in there squeezes you to tell someone about Jesus. Squeezes you to pray. That was his motivation. 
he felt the, the emotions of a father. And I know, obviously, not everyone here is a father. Some people are, but I'm sure mums have exactly the same instinct. When you see your kids about to do something, and you think, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that. I can remember my Joel. Don't pick on you, Joel. You're a bit old. Yeah, you're okay. You know, he, he was quite strong-willed. I don't know about was. He was. He's strong-willed. So anyway, but when he was little, it was, I'm going to walk on that wall. But it gets higher. No, but I'm going to walk on that wall. But at the end, there's all stinging it. I'm going to walk on that wall. And <laughs> some parents saying, yeah, oh, I had one like that. But... <laughs> And that's, that, you know, determination is a good thing. But you think, but you're going to get stung. Yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. And, and there's something in the, in the heart of a parent that wants to save your kids, isn't there? You, you want to save them pain. And, but you can't. And that's the kind of thing he was feeling. But more so, I, I want to save these people. I want to rescue these people. I want, there's something stirring in us. See, it would be great, wouldn't it, as Christians, if we could see people how Jesus saw people. What, what a difference it would make. But, but even more, if we could feel for people, how Jesus felt for people, how, how wonderful that would be. It, it would change us. Maybe it would wreck us a bit as well. But he had such compassion. And I, I know there are some of us here who sometimes feel that. You're there. It can sometimes happen in most somebody you don't even know. You see them and, and somehow your heart goes out to them. In some way, and you, you, you almost, at the end, I want to, I want to pray for, for you. The way I think of it is this, is, is compassion, that kind of compassion that stirs up. It's like a prayer or action button. And some of us don't know what to do with it. We feel, oh, I saw that need, or I heard that on the television, or I was down the high street, or I had that conversation, and I felt so churned up with compassion. But that's, that's your prayer or action button being pressed. The very least you can do, and it's not a booby prize, is praise for that person. That's, that's the least. But it might be that you can do something. Quite often, you can speak to them. You can tell them about your faith, or you can buy them a sandwich, or whatever the situation is. Jesus was motivated by the need and by compassion. And I'd, I'd like to pray for people who get to that point and then get stuck, don't know what to do. That, that God will help us take whatever the next step is. Uh, do that in a few moments. The third thing is he was motivated by the potential. In verse 37, he said, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So he's changing the picture. They're not sheep anymore, they're wheat. He says, hey, the, the harvest is plentiful. And I find it interesting. Jesus sees reality, painful reality, and hopefulness at the same time. He, he, does, he does both. See, the, the pe- people we live amongst are, are not only, they're, they're not just oh, being ravaged, they're in the desperate need of a shepherd. They are, and blissfully unaware of that, like sheep are when they're wandering all over the place. They, they are that, but they're also fantastic potential for a harvest for God. And, and he does both. He's chillingly realistic about the plight of humanity without God. Chillingly realistic. But at the same time, he speaks in a way that's full of faith. He holds both together. He, he's, he's not in sort of 
a faith weirdness that's sort of like la-la land. He's not away with the fairies about people. He's chillingly realistic, but at the same time, he's not depressed. He's not saying, oh, the world doesn't care about God. It's terrible. He's, also, he's, saying, he's saying, hey, the world without God is terrible, but there's a great harvest field. He, he holds both together. Once he's, he said to his disciples, it's really tricky. You can read about it yourself. It's in Luke 18. I think Luke 18, 24. He said, it's really tricky for rich people to know God. Which is provocative in itself, isn't it? Quite, quite an interesting um, discussion you could have that. It's really tricky for rich people to come to know God. Why, why is that? Well, because you sort of rely on money for all the things that you could rely on God for. Money gives you a sense of security. Money gives you a sense of safety. Money gives you a sense of provision. Money can even give you a sense of purpose. I want some more. That's, that's sort of, that's, that's, that's right, isn't it? So saying it's really tricky if you've got lots of money to be someone that, that, that goes after God. And the disciples said, well, that's impossible then, isn't it? Nothing's going to happen. And he, he replied with this. He said, he said oh, yeah, we're, we're with man. It is impossible. But with God, nothing's impossible. I, th- I find that really encouraging. What he's saying is, of course, you can't persuade anybody to follow God. But God can. God, God can help sheep realize they need a shepherd. God can help people that are looking for all their security money to realize it doesn't work and, and turn to God. That's what he was saying. So he, he was looking at the potential that anybody can come to know Jesus as their shepherd. The most self-contented, atheistic person in the world can suddenly say, actually, I need God. Who would have thought a few months ago that Russell Brand would be, I don't know quite where his face at, but would be standing up saying atheism doesn't work? I mean, who would have, who would have thought it? And I have no idea where he, you know, I'm not, I don't really follow him, but I just find it really interesting that now here's a guy that was taking the mickey out of anybody of faith who's saying, actually, I need a, I need a purpose and, that, and outside of myself, I, I need something bigger than me. And that's God. How extraordinary. So Jesus was saying, hey, I'm motivated by the need, by compassion, by the potential. And, and, and then he asks us to do something. He says to his disciples, why don't you pray? Why don't you pray to the Lord of the harvest? He's, there's a call to, to pray here. Dave, David Wilkerson, the cross on the switchblade guy, worked amongst uh, gangs in, uh, in America. He said this, what, while we were asking God to send out laborers, the Holy Spirit stirs someone somewhere. The truth is, our prayers can be used to send laborers into the harvest. It's great, isn't it? Pray. Just a simple prayer for Christians to pray. Can we have some more help, please? Help is my favorite prayer, actually. <laughs> help. But he's saying, hey, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for help. Jesus' response to overwhelming need and lack of resources wasn't panic like mine sometimes is. It wasn't stress. It wasn't going hyper and trying to work faster and harder and harder. It was, actually, I'm going to pray to God. Can we have, there's, there's so many people, can we have some more workers so that more people can know this shepherd? So there's a call to pray. Pray because there's a harvest. On another occasion, Jesus said, 
open your eyes, disciples. The fields are ripe. It was as he saw a crowd of people coming out of a city. He said, the fields are ripe for harvest. Pray because prayer lifts our eyes up as well. He says, lift up in um, John 4, 35. He says, lift up your eyes. In some parts of the world, the harvest is very hard to see. Very hard to see. Sometimes you think, well, I invited all my friends to the Christmas service and none of them came. Anyone, anyone have that happened to them this year? Hey, three of us. Either, three, only th- either only three of us it happened to or else the rest of us are less honest. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> yeah, it does, it does happen. But, but prayer lifts up our eyes. You can be overwhelmed by the need and shut your eyes or you can be apathetic and just be a sleepy Christian. But prayer opens our eyes. Prayer gives us heaven's perspective. So we take our eyes off our own failures or people's contentment without God and we pray to him. He's the Lord of the harvest. Lord, help us open our eyes to see the harvest. Open our eyes to see it's now. And and pray because co-laborers are needed. He says, pray for workers. I, I quite often pray for um, my family that, that don't know God. Some of, them, some of them do, some of them don't. And I quite often pray for them, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But Jesus actually told us to pray for workers. So maybe I ought to pray more that somebody will talk to them. Somebody will be sent to them. Pray for workers. Good to pray for workers. So, some of those workers will go to the 1.2 billion people living in less evangelized nations some of them will go to Dines Green some of them will go to Redditch who who knows but God can the interesting thing is what he's saying is God can relocate people as you pray hello it's a bit hungry (coughs) yeah well done Cheers. (laughs) Let's pray. Pray pray for workers. You might might be praying for people that aren't anywhere near family members that live somewhere completely different to you. Well, pray for a worker to go and speak to them. Pray because there's a harvest. Pray because prayer lifts our eyes. Pray because co-laborers are needed. Of course, if we pray like that, we have to be like Isaiah and be willing to say, well, and I'm here as well, Lord. Send me. Because we might, we might actually be, here's a thought, we might be, actually be the answer to someone else's prayer. So, so your next, born, next door neighbour might have someone in Glasgow that's praying for them. So you could end up being the answer to somebody else's prayers that you've n- never ever met. Pray for labourers. Because there's a big harvest. Just to give, uh, I did some research on on internet which is notoriously unreliable but um just just to encourage you uh islamic faith is grown by 2.7 percent a year mostly through birth rate not entirely hindu faith is grown by 2.2 buddhist faith is grown by 1.7 christianity currently is growing by 6.9 percent per annum not that i base my faith on statistics really because there's lies and statistics but it's encouraging there's a worldwide harvest. 
and then pray because in the end of the day, he calls himself the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord. He's, he's the boss of it. So the pressure is off. I, I realized years ago, I, I, I can't save a skin on a rice pudding. You know, I, I can't heal a broken nail. I can't, I can't do anything much, really. Stand at the front and talk a bit. I can't do that. He's the Lord of the harvest, isn't he? So our, the, the only pressure on us is to try and see people as Jesus saw people in, in all their need, beneath the veneer and the, the masks we put up of, oh, well, I'm all right. Good morning, how are you? I'm fine. All of that. Beneath that, actually, we all need to know a shepherd, someone who cares for us, loves us enough to die for us, will provide for us, care for us, forgive us, take us through life and beyond. We all need to know that. So the pressures of us, we pray to the Lord of the harvest. Lord, save people. Send someone to that person. Some of your family members, the last person that can speak to them is you. I mean, you do your best. But Lord, send someone else to speak to my nephew. Lord, send someone else. Harvest is motivated by Jesus who came to seek and to save the lost. So I just... that's all I've got to say really this, this morning. The ministry of Jesus to proclaim that God's rule is there for us if we want it. It's as simple as that. Then he explains it. Read a gospel, find out what he said. And then he demonstrated it by touching people, healing people, praying for the sick, which we regularly do as well. But he was motivated by the need, yes, by the potential for a harvest, but also by huge compassion. Huge compassion. So next time we pray uh, all together will be the first Tuesday of next month. Uh, uh, I'd love us, as many as can, to come and, and let's cry out to the Lord of the harvest. That's, that's one so what from this morning. The, the other one is, I, I'm pretty sure that there are some people, a bit like me, who sometimes feel really stirred up. You're in the high street and you see someone uh, and, and you, oh, something gets you. In there, I can't really explain it in words. Something gets you in there, but you don't. You don't know what to do. I, I, I can't be the only one that has that. I'm sure I'm not. You don't know what to do. And I, I would like this morning just to to ask you. Would you just? I just want to pray. Nothing heavy. I just want to pray that God will help you to take the next step. That's it. It's as simple as as that. That and that next step might be inviting someone to church. It might be giving, buying someone a cup of tea, might be just saying, good morning, can I help you? I don't know. But, but I just want us to grow because Jesus was motivated by compassion. He's motivated by the same thing that you feel, which is wonderful, isn't it? You feel stuff that Jesus did. But, but what he, he then somehow managed to translate that into the next step and the next step. Uh, and the world has changed as a result. So if that's you, don't, don't make stuff up. But if that's you, just... Let's stand and I just want to pray very briefly for us. Holy Spirit, I I pray for every person standing. I thank you that because you're in our lives, we can feel the same things that you feel, feel. The same things you felt on earth, the same compassion you still have. Thank you for everyone standing who feels your feelings. That's amazing, God. 
that you would share that feeling of compassion with us because we're made in your image and because your Holy Spirit lives in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come on every person standing before you. You know our hearts. You know the circumstances when we suddenly feel something deep within us, stirring us. I pray for every single person standing, Lord, that, that even this week as they feel they, what they feel, that, that as you press their prayer and action button in the depths of their being, that they would simply take the next step. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would not only feel that feeling, but just get just a little bit of a lead on what to do next. I'll go and say something. I'll pray. I'll invite. Holy Spirit, just ask you, thank you for the courage, those that have stood up. It's not always easy to stand in front of people. But I ask you that you would just increase that compassion feeling of compassion. Make it abundantly clear, Lord. I pray that we would feel that, that compulsion, the love of God pushing us forward, not just to feel, but to pray and to act. And that because of that, more people would come to know you as their shepherd. More people would feel your love through us talking to them, caring for them, praying for them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, God bless you this week. Could be an exciting week, couldn't it?